This is the Toward a New World podcast with your host, Corinna Stoffel. As a space for all things regarding the global collective transition we are in, we have conversations about transition, separation, and connection regarding oneself, others, and the earth. The aim is to educate, empower, and inspire. Hello and welcome to today's edition. I am happy to introduce Ron Pefni, my guest for today. And Ron is a life coach and author. He worked as a rite of passage guide for over 40 years. He was one of the really early ones. <laughs> he led retreats on conscious eldering for over 20 years. And he is the founder uh, of the Center for Conscious Eldering. Welcome, Ron. Thank I'm you, Karina. So, I'm honor. so happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. I was thinking about with what question to start. And from my knowledge, indigenous uh, groups have uh, always had elders and still probably have elders. And would you talk about what their role was in the indigenous societies? Well, my understanding, Corina, and I'll tell you, I uh, sometimes wish that I lived in an indigenous society so I could actually see and experience the role of the elder. But from everything I have learned from indigenous teachers that I've had the privilege to be with, from what I have read and studied, you know, from my mentors, from everything I have learned is that the role of elder has always been critical to the well-being of societies around the world up until, you know, the Industrial Revolution. And it was critical because societies needed people who had been around for a long time, and at least traditionally, not that many people made it to elderhood. You know, now so many people make it to these elder years. But uh, those who made it to elderhood and who had grown into a certain wholeness Mm -hmm. uh, were viewed as the elders. So just because you had gray hair and wrinkles didn't mean that you were honored as one of the, the revered elders. You were honored as a human being who had lived a long time. But the elders were those who were honored as being the people who could model for the younger generations what it is to live a good life, what it is to, to be whole. Mm. What it is, the elders were the ones who had the big picture perspective that came from having lived a long time so they could see how all these different pieces of life fit together. Mm. And uh, I think uh, elders, uh, elders came to see that things are never as bad as they seem or they're never as good as they seem when all you have is the close-up perspective. But when you have the eagle's eye view of life, the elders have a certain wisdom that you have to be an elder to actually attain. Yeah. The elders were, were models for the younger generations on how to live well. The elders were the conscience of the people reminding them that how critical it is that all of their decisions are made, keeping in mind the well-being of future generations. They, they were the voice of future generations speaking to their society, saying, this is what we need to do. This is how you have to live to, 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 to leave a world that is good for the future generations. Mm. The elders, are people who have grown to a certain type of wholeness. And I had the good, the good fortune of... Um, being able to spend a bunch of time a few years ago with elders of the Tarahumara, also known as Ramuri people of Copper Canyon, Mexico, and got to meet with and to learn from some of their elders. And what I learned is that the, the, the journey into their elderhood was something that 
was a long time journey. They were identified early on as the people who certain of them were identified as the ones who really could bring elder gifts to their people. And they had a, a, a physical and a psychological and an emotional and a cultural um, uh, and a spiritual training that went on for years and years so that by the time they reached their elder years, they were able to step into that role that was so important for the well-being of the people. Wow. I didn't know that uh, you basically, like say in your 20s or 30s, would be identified as a potential elder. That and means they already had certain elder qualities. Yeah, yeah. In 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 their being. That's right, and the people recognize that. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, those among the people who could make those kind of decisions, including the current elders, are the ones who would engage in the preparation of someone so they could move into the role of elder uh, when, when they got to their, to a certain point in their life. And I was going to say it, it is, I think it is wonderful to know what the role of elder has been and to know how critical it's been to, for societies around the world, but we live in a different world and mm -hmm there is no way that we could somehow all of a sudden go and um, uh, recreate indigenous societies or yeah. we, we could go and recreate or try to emulate the role of elder. We've got a situation that is really unique in that the, the archetype of the elder, which we'll be talking about, I'm sure, wants to emerge in all of us when we get to a certain point in our lives. We have to do a lot of inner work to help that emerge. But um, uh, how it finds expression, how it finds expression in our society, we don't have a template. It's not going to look a certain way. And so while that can be frustrating that we don't have models that we can emulate in terms of how to express our elderhood, we have the opportunity of, of expressing it in so many, many, many individual ways. And that's our wonderful challenge. How can we be elders in a society now and find a way to express that in a way that's meaningful to our society, meaningful to us, meaningful to our people, knowing that we don't have a model necessarily yeah. for how to express it? I, I fully agree. And what you know what came up for me is a bit over 20 years ago i felt that it was okay to go out and mark that i am an elder and it's just within the last year year and a half or so that i deeply inside feel okay you are there, that you can be an elder. Because I had so many emotional, psychological hang-ups, issues, uh, whatever you want to call it, that I definitely was not an elder. And I wanted, I wanted to become one. So I was also willing to do the work that was set in front of me with having that intention. And that is absolutely so critical. And, and, and you know, I, uh, I guess my belief, Corina, is that the reason I like to talk about my work as being conscious eldering mm -hmm. is that it is an ongoing process of bringing forth elder qualities within us that want to emerge at a certain point in life. And I don't know how to, to point to me or to anybody else and say, okay, you've crossed a certain line and you are now an elder. What's more important is to say I am, or those I'm privileged to teach, are on a journey of allowing the inner elder to emerge. They are eldering. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what I think is probably true, and I've, I've had others, you know, tell me this, that the best way to know is if you've allowed enough of these qualities to emerge that you are seen as an elder is not where all of a sudden one day you go and proclaim yourself, I am an elder, but rather it's when you start getting the feedback from the people around you in your life that tell you that I respect you as an elder. I see you as an elder. I see these qualities. And the more of that feedback you start to get, then the more you realize, yeah, this is the real thing. It is starting to emerge in me. And because you say qualities of an elder, what are those qualities? Because not having elderhood in our modern society, how would we know that someone is an elder and could acknowledge them? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, Maybe the broadest answer to that, but then I'll hone in. The broadest answer is you know it when you see it. <laughs> yeah. You know it. I think we all know certain certain older people that radiate a certain um, contentment, a certain passion for life, a certain um, caring for others, a certain desire to make the world a better place because of the gifts that, that they have accumulated up to this point in their life. People who are bright, shining lights. And when we're around those people, we know when we are in the presence of somebody who truly is an elder. And we all, we all, we all know the, con- the converse of that. We all know older people who, as they age, especially as they give up perhaps their careers, which they've identified strongly with for a long time, it's like their life becomes more and more smaller and smaller. Uh, Their engagement with the world decreases. Their Mm -hmm. energy all seems to be just devoted to their own supposed hopeful security and um, whatever pleasures they can get at that point in their lives. And Oftentimes, a whole lot of um, that inner stuff that when you're younger, you don't have the time or motivation or it's not yet right to work on, all of a sudden that stuff then emerges. All those unhealed wounds, all that forgiveness that hasn't happened, all those old negative stories we may end up telling ourselves about our, our worth or our lack thereof and everything. It's like at a certain point, a lot of that stuff starts to come to the surface, especially when we don't have all kinds of other activity to kind of keep it buried. And when it comes to the surface, then a lot of older people end up, it's like the worst of them comes out. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, aging just brings out the the worst in people. And I disagree. I think aging amplifies whoever we have become. And if we have done our inner work, then as we age, it's going to be a lot easier for all those positive qualities of compassion and caring and commitment to growth to emerge um, because we don't have all this other unfinished business, all this old baggage blocking it. I I would say I fully agree. And uh, it's sort of like, to put it in my words is, if you do the work for eldering, then your life and your being and your space expands and includes more and more versus otherwise it contracts and becomes focused around you or maybe a spouse or a friend, but it's becoming a very small, small circle. That's a beautiful way of putting that. I really like that. And I think one of the one of the the key qualities of elderhood is that you've lived long enough and you've done enough growing to begin more and more to see how interconnected everything is and how interconnected your life is with everything else. Yeah. 
And that, that, you know, they talk about elder wisdom. Maybe if I had to pin it down to just one thing, that might be the core of true elder wisdom is seeing how everything is related and how I live and the choices I make influence so much else and how everything else influences me. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what a wonderful gift that is. And it takes a lot of living and a lot of commitment to growing to get to the point where we viscerally understand that. And a growing in awareness. Yes. Because without, uh, I mean, if I wouldn't be as aware as I am, not to say that I couldn't become more aware, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to see those connections. And it's almost like what comes for me right now is as my awareness grows, I start flying higher and higher because you mentioned the eagle view earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of being in the trees, I can start <laughs> rising above and having a bigger. That's right. And, you know, the word awareness, I think, is in many ways a synonym for the word conscious. Yeah. And so often people ask me, well, what, what is conscious elderhood? What is conscious aging is about? And oftentimes conscious elderhood and the terms conscious aging are used, you know, uh, synonymously. Yeah. And I think conscious is ever increasing in awareness of all we're related to, of what is going on inside of us, of what is truly our own inner voice, our own inner knowing, our own inner guidance, and what are all those other voices that we are all conditioned with. What are our weaknesses that really need to be dealt with? What are our strengths? When are we just living on habit? And when are we actually living intentionally? <laughs> the, 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 more, the more we can gain in that awareness, the more conscious we become. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that's what conscious elderhood is about, ultimately, is increasing in all that kind of awareness and then acting and living from that awareness. And one thing uh, to rephrase a little bit is we get out of, you know, uh, out from the autopilot mm -hmm. where we react and we start responding. We are aware of what's going on within me. We're aware of what's going on out here. And how can I contribute? Yes to that exchange, to that event, and then respond from that place. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So why do you think in our modern Western, at least Western society, we lost elderhood? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You know, a lot of it boils down to the fact that in modern Western society, we have lost our connection with the natural world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Indigenous people knew, they knew that the laws and the beginnings and endings and, and, and seasons of life that, uh, govern the natural world, govern human life also, because we are natural beings. Yeah. They knew that. And so they could look at life and they could see that life has those same kind of stages and, and that growth happens through endings and through beginnings. And that uh, elderhood is a, a culminating stage of life, just like in the natural world, there are culminating stages for various of, of life's beings. They knew that. And so they had ceremonies and they had rituals to mark it. That's what rites of passage are about, to mark the movement from one, one stage of life to another. Mm -hmm. When you have lost that kind of understanding then it is so hard to see this whole bigger picture of how life unfolds. 
And it is so easy, as I think the modern world has done, you know, maybe last couple hundred years or something, to see ourselves as human beings no different than the kind of machines that we create, you know, and um, uh, yeah. they're new and they're fresh and they're able to contribute in whatever way we want them to contribute, but then they get old and then they wear out and then it's time to get rid of them. And that's how we get rid of our older people. Yeah, and, and that's how we get rid of our understanding that there is something important other than just uh, economic and mm -hmm. financial mm -hmm. progress. That, that there's something important about um, the essence of who we are as human beings and how we move through the whole lifespan. And when, when your value is primarily seen as what you can contribute to the gross national product, then as we get older, our abilities to contribute to the gross national product are, are naturally going to diminish for most of us. Mm -hmm. But yet, as those abilities diminish, all these other wonderful qualities of soul, you know, what makes us truly human. Yeah which has nothing to do with the gross national product, they have a chance to really emerge. I mean, elderhood can be the pinnacle of our emotional and our spiritual growth. But we've totally forgotten that in our society. And so therefore, there is no honored role for elders. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes absolutely sense. I mean, if you make uh, or value everything in dollars and cents, then wisdom really has no value because it doesn't create dollars and cents. Yeah, that's but right. But it creates sanity. That's right. And, you know, one, one other change that has accompanied this whole uh, diminishment of the role of elder is the fact that in so many traditional societies, the elders... Be, besides being the uh, repositories of, of, of wisdom, the teachers of the young, you know, in how to live well, they were also the ones who had their apprentices and they taught their apprentices the various crafts, the various skills that were needed to function in the day-to-day -day life of their society, to have a, a career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you live in a world where everything is changing so fast that even the young people can't keep up with all the changes in technology, then if the elders are not able to contribute in that way, then, then an important part of the traditional elder role has disappeared. Yeah. Because how many elders do you know who are actually teaching the skills of a craft, who actually have apprentices, you know, in terms of, 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 of talents and skills in, in everyday life? And so that's another reason that with the Industrial Revolution, yeah, uh, Elder has diminished. Yeah. So my sense, looking at what is going on in the world, is that inviting people to start stepping into this eldering process is becoming almost vitally important. Mm -hmm. And I uh, feel, uh, or yeah, I feel called to even just educate about the process of a transition and how to navigate through. So you don't, people don't freak out and say, oh God, the world is changing. I don't know what to do. So how can more people or how can we invite people to step into this eldering process? You know, I think, Corina, the first part of the invitation is to actually have a vision for what elderhood can be that we can share with people to show them that there is an alternative to society's current paradigm, I guess you will, of aging being a time of disengagement for, from life, 
a time of uh, uh, when whatever legacy you're going to create has largely already been created. A time when whatever growth you're going to do has largely been done. And uh, it, it, it's a time when the best you can hope for is to find what security you can find and what pleasure you can find. And so many people come on our retreats and they tell us the main reason we're there is that that's not enough. I know that something else is possible. Another way to live and another way to age but I don't know what it is, or I just have, you know, vague intimations. And I think that the work of conscious eldering uh, is to help people see that there is another possibility. And once you see that there is another possibility, and you become aware of some people who are modeling that mm -hmm. way of aging, then you're willing to actually consider, okay, what do I need to do to maybe make that be the way that I age also? So, yeah. and, and the belief systems around us are powerful. And, you know, from, from the day that we're born, uh, 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 various societal beliefs um, are embedded in us about age, about aging. You know, all kinds of great studies have been done that show that it starts early in childhood, that young children already begin to have these negative images of aging because of the images around them. And so one of the key things is if somebody is really committed to uh, embracing a new, more empowered way of aging is to begin to take a look at what are some of the beliefs that I carry in myself that are totally disempowering. Yeah. Yeah, like the belief, you know, do I carry the belief that uh, elderhood is primarily defined by loss and diminishment? Or is it possible that I can have the belief that while there is indeed loss and diminishment in some facets of life, elderhood can be defined by continual growth and unfolding into the fullness of who I can be as a human being in my final chapter? And so working on those beliefs is a real big, important step in all of this. Yeah. And as we work on those beliefs, then we can begin to do various of the aspects of, of what we call the inner work of conscious eldering, a lot of which has to do with healing aspects of the past that will not serve us moving forward, gaining a clearer sense of, 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 of purpose and meaning and vision for our journey moving forward, all that kind of work. But it all has to be grounded in, in first of all, uh, transforming a lot of these, these beliefs that it's inevitably just about decline and loss. Yeah. I mean, what has been up for me lately is doing a lot of shadow work. How mm -hmm. much is that playing into your retreats that you're doing? You know, it, it, it plays in a big way. And we don't use the word shadow, the term shadow work. Not, not, that, uh, not that we see anything inappropriate in that term. That's just not the term we use for what we do. But people like Connie Zweig, who wrote The Inner Work of Age, Moving from Role to Soul, which is a really tremendous book, uh, yeah. she kind of takes a lot of this inner work of eldering and she has positioned it all as being shadow work. And I think that's a real leg legitimate and effective way to position it. And basically what she is saying is that a whole lot of what keeps us unconscious, rather than being a conscious person and a conscious elder, is this stuff that's laying in the shadow that we don't have awareness of. Getting back to you talking about awareness. Mm -hmm. Old woundings, uh, old stories that may go back to our childhood about our lack of worth and everything that we carry with us. And there's so much a part of us that they are just, you know, they're somewhere in the shadow. You know, a lot of beliefs, all these disempowering beliefs. And I think a hell of a lot of people would would tell you, oh, no, I, I don't believe that stuff. You know, I believe that aging can be wonderful and all. But how much work have they really done to look and see to what extent a lot of those beliefs that are so deeply embedded are influencing the choices they make each day? Mm 
that's shadow work because those kind of beliefs are in the shadow. Yeah. And so bringing a lot of these kind of things out of the shadow into awareness and then choosing to use the many resources that are available to us in today's world to help heal some of that stuff and shine the light on it. That, that, that's, that's, that's what conscious eldering is. And that's how we help to bring so much out of the shadow. Yeah, I'm, uh, for my, for myself, uh, I am sort of talking, I'm dancing with the shadow. Uh-huh. Because shadow for me has this almost negative wanting to avoid this is bad stuff uh, versus dancing. If you want to dance with somebody, you need to get to know them. Beautiful. And uh, that's the one thing. So the awareness, but I'm also beginning to see that if I'm willing to look at the shadow, there are gifts in that. It's not all negative. It's going again back to what you talked about, beliefs. How am I defining the shadow? What beliefs are in there? And if I flip it, it could be something great, positive, that is enriching my life. Yes. And there's a lot of energy yeah. You know, our, our psychic energy tied up in uh, in the shadow elements of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why in conscious eldering work, we feel it's so important to, to bring to light a lot of this inner baggage we're carrying and to do our best to heal it or let it go. Because when we do so, all the energy that's been tied up with keeping it there in the shadow is freed and it's available to us then to use consciously and intentionally for uh, achieving the goals and uh, uh, moving toward those wonderful things that we sense is possible. But it takes energy. And I think we all know that the older we get, the less energy we have. And so the more energy we could free up that's tied up with the past to apply to our current life and the life we envision for ourselves, the better off we're going to be. And it's listening to you just brought up a very recent experience. Um, I was listening to a podcast and the person interviewed said, and then we marry our shadow. And I hit the pause button and said, wait, what a second. I mean, my my ex-husband was my shadow. What was the shadow? And I couldn't find anything initially. And then an hour, two hours later, whenever I went to bed, I as a when I laid down, as a sudden there was this, oh shucks. That's what. <laughs> where he mirrored my shadow. Mm. And it's really also that willingness to relax, to ask the question and then let it go. So the, so to speak, the universe or the earth or whatever can let us know, answer the question, so to speak. Because if we keep chatting, what is the shadow? What is the shadow? I can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and knowing some of these powerful inner dynamics, like what is the shadow, is something that we have to know more than with just our mind. And I think that's yeah. what you're saying. I mean, you could, you, could, you could sit there and ask yourself that and ponder and reflect and write and think about it forever. But as long as it's only your mind engaged in that, you're only going to get so far. Yeah. But like you said, when you ask the question and then perhaps you go out into nature and just walk with that question and see what kind of little signs you might get that might help to provide pieces of answers. See what kind of feelings and emotions come up. Maybe see what kind of dreams come up as you're carrying that question with you over a period of days. That's how you get to know in a much more whole, whole person way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the answer to your question about what, what are my shadow elements or any other question that you may be carrying that's really important for you. 
So to a listener, what step or steps would you recommend that they could start playing with that idea, entertaining that idea of conscious eldering? You know, maybe one of the first steps would be, I think a step that I took without realizing what I was doing when I, I first began to realize I had a calling to this work 20 years ago. And that was to look around me and to identify older adults that I thought were really aging beautifully. Mm -hmm. You know, I just felt something around them that, yeah, there is something special. And then to identify a bunch of other older adults in my life that I did not think were aging well at all. And I, I, I want to point out that I'm not talking primarily about whether you are physically healthy or not as you age. Even yeah. though a lot of true elders tend to have a certain radiance where they are healthier. But I've, I, I have had the privilege of meeting some true elders who had all kinds of health concerns. But they were aging well. They were thriving in every way. And I have known other older adults who uh, have just gone in, withdrawn into themselves. Uh, they just kind of radiate uh, either negativity or nothing. And, and, and as I interviewed a lot of these people, because I did a lot of oral history work, I was fascinated with it at the time. I began to ask myself, well, why is it that some of these people seem to be aging so well and some aren't? Yeah. And what might I do to try to emulate the way some of these people live who are living so really well? And I think, you know, one thing we talked earlier about uh, uh, disempowering beliefs about aging, one of the best ways to transform or counter those beliefs is to find and to see some living models of people who are showing that that belief is bogus. It doesn't, isn't how it has to be. And once you've seen some models that you just really think, wow, I would like my life to be like that. And you begin to ask yourself and maybe do some study, maybe even talk to these people if you have a relationship with them and ask about their lives that's a real good first step to set yourself on a path toward a more fulfilled and more conscious elderhood. We need models. And there's some great models around us. In, in both, I would say in both directions. Oh yeah, in both directions. <laughs> yeah. So one thing we do in our retreats is we ask people we have a whole segment where we ask people to identify a person or two people in their lives that they really see as a model for what conscious elderhood can be for them. And then to spend time saying, okay, what qualities do you need to start working on in yourself right now that can help you to begin to move toward um, uh, living into that vision or that image that you have. And so you have something tangible. I could start working on this one or I could start working on that one, you know? And as you start doing that, then you feel you're making some progress. And every bit of inner work, as, as I'm sure just about everybody listening to our conversation knows, every bit of inner work is valuable. Yeah. And if you take a look and you think, oh my God, I could never, you know, do all the inner work to become a conscious elder that is daunting, that is too big. But if you view th that as take some steps on the journey toward eldering, toward bringing forth some of those elder qualities in you, that's going to feel so fulfilling. If, even if you never achieve the whole bigger vision, every bit of inner work we do is really, really going to be important to our well-being and to the well-being of those who are part of our lives. And 
how I'm wondering how far does setting the intention to do some steps of that inner work actually get you on a self-fulfilling journey? That one step leads to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And I think that all too many of us, including myself at times, we don't trust what you just said. And we feel that we've got to see the bigger picture and then we've got to have some kind of a roadmap for how we're going to accomplish this whole bigger thing. And if we can't see how we're going to do it, then it can seem too daunting to even begin. But if we can trust that that's the nature of life and it's the nature of our own, who we are as human beings, that we take one step at a time and then the next step unfolds for us and we can trust that then that makes all the difference in the world. I think you just said something really important there. The image that just came for me is a toddler that is learning to walk. Uh They do one step, and then they balance again, and then they do the next step, and then there is the next step. And that's basically uh, what we're doing with inner work throughout the life. That's right. At a time. That's right. And and so, you know, I think that it's important to say that the inner work of conscious eldering is really the inner work of a lifetime of growth. Mm -hmm. But we position it as the inner work of conscious eldering because it is so important at a particular point in life, especially if we have not done much of it, to all of a sudden come to see its importance and to begin to do it. But the more of this kind of inner work that we do throughout our lives, the less we're going to have to do when we get to the latter part of our lives. And the easier it's going to be, because I think we all know how hard it is to change old habitual ways of being. Yeah. And we've had people who've told me, well, you know, I'm not really old yet. And I'm going to start doing a bunch of inner work when I'm really old and I'm too old to be out doing all the stuff, activity I'm doing. And I guess my response to that is, number one, you don't know how you're going to be feeling as you're getting really old. You may be ill. You may not have any energy. You may not have any energy left in you to do this important inner work. So start doing it when you're younger and you and you start developing healthy ways of being with yourself, healthy mm-hmm. ways of living, and then you're going to have a whole lot less to do as you age. Because you're always kind of up to date. You're always current rather than having this whole big backlog of stuff that you got to, okay, now I got to <laughs> unpack this suitcase and start doing all this stuff, you know? I like that analogy. <laughs> You're up to date. Yeah. You stay up to date, so to speak, yeah. throughout life. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. You told me that uh, you will have a book coming out next year. You want to share a little bit about that and alert listeners? Yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, in 2014, my, my book called Conscious Living, Conscious Aging, Embrace and Savor Your Next Chapter, came out, published by Beyond Words and Simon & Schuster. And it's been out since 2014. And um, it's been meaningful to a lot of people. I hear from a lot of people around the world that they use it in in book study groups, elder elder wisdom circles and things, you know, as as their their main resource. They found it valuable. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not a bestseller, but I think in the personal growth genre, it's it's reaching a lot of people. And I, I've heard that. And so with um, the 10 year anniversary of uh, the book coming out, coming up um, this fall, Beyond Words and Simon and & Schuster decided that they would like to publish an enhanced, expanded new edition, which really excited me. Because I, uh, believe it or not, I've got a few, a few things to say. 
<laughs> that weren't that weren't said in that first edition. A lot, you know, things have changed in my life. I hope I'm a little bit wiser, but also things have changed in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so the book's going to come out uh, next spring, and it's going to have the same title: Conscious Living, Conscious Aging. But I insisted on a new subtitle, and the new subtitle is going to be Claiming the Gifts of Elderhood. And one of, the, one of the main changes that I felt I needed to contribute to this new edition are several chapters that speak to the urgency for reclaiming the role of elder in today's world because of the multiple crises that have emerged across the world in the last 10 years. Mm. So whereas my original book uh, largely focused on the personal journey of transition, especially the transition from midlife adulthood into elderhood, in these new chapters, I make the case that this personal journey is not happening inside of a bubble. It is happening in the context of a world that is in serious crisis, perched on on the edge between transformation on the one side and collapse on the other, and that the role of the elder and the wisdom and the skills of the tens of millions of people around the world who are at the age where they can be elders, those are needed. We can't have millions of people around the world somehow withdrawing from life, feeling that their contribution is over just because they've retired. And so these these new chapters are very much about that urgency, about the importance of setting uh, growth and service as as high, high priorities in our lives, mm-hmm. and about finding what I call our signature gifts. And those are those gifts that I believe many other wise, wise beings that I've come to know believe are embedded in us when we come into this life. They come with our soul. Yeah. They are our particular gift to the world. And it is our responsibility to find ways throughout our life of using them. And some people are fortunate enough to have done so. Many people in today's world have jobs that do not bring forth the best of themselves. They're you know, basically jobs to make a living. But elderhood is an opportunity to get in touch with what are those most unique, special gifts in me? And how am I going to use them in my latter years to make a difference in the world? And everybody can find a way, whether you're physically healthy or not, there are ways that we can use all of our gifts. We can all use our gifts. And so a lot of the, the, the new chapters talk about the importance of identifying these signature gifts and then committing to using them because they are necessary in, in today's world. An image, listening to you, an image that came up for me is that especially in today's world, I have the choice to energetically contribute to the world or withdraw energy from the world. And that, that for me, withdrawing energy is not a, a contribution. For yeah. me, it's adding my energy to the pot, so to speak, that's the contribution. And in whatever form that energy is contributed, that is uniquely every person's uh, contribution. Yes. And, you know, I think that we are so supported in that um, many of many of the great visionaries of our time and i think for instance of people like uh, barbara marx hubbard just as one example they, they they said that they reminded us that there's this whole evolutionary process that's been going on and it has been speeded up in a big way in recent years yeah and there is an evolutionary force or energy that is trying to emerge in the world through us as humans. We are the agents. And that can it has the potential to lead to a transformed world. 
And if there is that heightened energy there, then every way that we choose to shine our light a little bit brighter, it is supported by this bigger energy field in ways that maybe just several years ago or several decades ago, there wasn't that level of support for it. And that, I, I find that really encouraging that I can, every small step I take is part of a larger energetic unfolding. But we also see that at the same time, every time the light shines brighter, it seems like the energy of, of the darkness of the shadow also gets stronger. And so we've got all these bright lights emerging around the world, most of which we don't hear about in, in the media. Yeah. And the darkness is coming forward in big ways too. And both of those are happening. And we're in this transition between an old way and a potential new way. And um, whether we're elders or not, humanity's living in that transition. But I believe elders have an especially important role to play because of, of wisdom that we have gained as to how to help us humanity move through that kind of a transition. Having been around the block a few times. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I have been finding personally is what I call it, the earth has my back. Mm. or the universe has my back. It's almost like I'm doing a step towards contribution and there is this, yes, go here. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That encouragement or however you want to call it. Uh, and for me, it's very valuable to have that. Yeah, we all need to know that we're supported, that we're not just over there tilting at windmills, <laughs> that there is something something lar larger than we are indeed part of. Yeah. Uh, and, well, it's an incredible time for humanity to make choices about the future. It's incredibly important for each of us to make choices about how we're going to live these precious elder chapters. Mm -hmm. We get one chance to do it. Yeah. Is it going to be a time of withdrawal and just uh, uh, focusing just on me? Or is it going to be a time of expansion and focusing on this whole bigger, wonderful world that we're part of? Yeah. Do you have any events coming up through your uh, Center for uh, Conscious Eldering? And what we've got coming up uh, in the remainder of this year is, um, I think it'll be our 20th or 21st week-long Choosing Conscious Elderhood retreat at Ghost Ranch, New Mexico, mm. October 3 through 9. And we just love Ghost Ranch. And I imagine many of your listeners have been there. It's just one of the most remarkable places. Um, and there are still uh, two or three spaces available as of uh, as of the date of that you and I are talking, and then we have um, our first retreat in Europe in Ireland happening in September, but it's it's already uh, already filled up. Next year we're going to have two more retreats at Ghost Ranch, probably a couple of uh, weekend retreats, and I'm not sure I'm not sure what else. I'm kind of in a transition myself trying to get a sense of how much do I want to be uh, going around leading retreats versus how much do I want to be focusing on a lot more writing that I want to do. And uh, uh, in fact, my own, my own podcast that a partner and I do and uh, things like that. And so I'm not sure what next year is going to be like yet. And I think that's, that's one of maybe the, the gifts of, for me of elderhood, Karina, that, uh, I can trust that I don't have to be clear and sure about the path forward. I used to have to have the roadmap that I was pretty clear about. And now I'm willing to trust that if I, as you said, put one step in front of the other and I give my gifts as best I can, I'll be supported in knowing what's the best way to do it. And that's kind of the space that I'm in right now as I look toward next year and the year after. Finding out how it needs to progress or what the steps are, yeah. 
I, I hear you and uh, I can fully relate because on some level I'm operating in a very similar way to just trust what is coming up, what is wanting to be born. Yeah. Wanting to be brought into the world. That's because right. Because transition is also a, a birthing time where we create something new where we step into something new and are we willing to dream what this new is going to be like? Yeah. Yeah. And give ourselves the, the opportunity to dream it and to feel it. Yeah. And that can take a while. And unless we do it just from the head, it'll take a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can think about it very quickly and come to conclusions and it's done. But if, yeah. I, if I want to feel it uh, and be it being part of me, then uh, I have to give it time to mature. That's right. And I think that, that that really what you just said is so reflective of this whole journey of personal growth and this whole journey of conscious eldering. Um We have to recognize it's a journey that is unique to each of us. No book or no teacher or no nobody can tell us what it's going to look like. Yeah. We just have to, to follow our heart. You know, we've got a certain sense of what's possible, and that's what teachers and books can be about and models. But then just follow our heart and take what feels like the next step that is somehow can move us forward on this journey. Next day, what feels like the, the step today is the very best. And, you know, I, I really love, I, I'd like to say that I think something that's so critical is what Richard Leiter, who is often, often called the father of purpose, and he wrote the wonderful book, The Power of Purpose, which I highly recommend. But he says that one of the, one of the key descriptors of somebody who is truly an elder and is who, who is on the path of growth is that they are people whose primary motivation each day when they get up is to somehow that day grow and to somehow that day serve. Mm -hmm. And he, he's not saying that you don't, you don't have enjoyment, you don't have pleasures in life, but, but he's saying, what is the primary motivation and each day, if you can honestly say that today, I some at the end of the day, you could say, I somehow grew and I somehow served today, that that is going to be the, the, uh, the vision and the impetus and the focus that's going to enable us to keep growing as a conscious elder. Yeah. And I'm looking at the word serving, serving the collective, and I am part of the collective. Yes. It's not serving, ignoring myself. I am part of the whole uh, play, game, however you want to call it. And That's so right. it becomes really enriching for everybody. Yeah. It, it, it's not like um, an onerous task that today I need to serve. Mm -hmm. That's why one of my favorite quotes uh, is a, a wonderful, oftentimes uh, quoted uh, uh, lines by Howard Thurman, who was a civil rights activist and philosopher and mystic. And what he said was, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and then go and do it, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And that's the kind of service I think that we are talking about here, yeah. where it, it, it's an outgrowth of your aliveness. And giving, giving your truest gifts doesn't feel like a chore or an obligation. It feels like an a, a outflowing of who you are. It feels alive. And so you're yeah. serving yourself as well as serving the larger, larger collective. Yeah. Would you repeat that quote? And let's end on that quote. 
Okay, I'd be happy to. Do not ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and then go and do it because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Thank you so much, Ron, for the energetic invitation, for the inspiration with what you shared. And maybe we'll do another interview sometimes in the future. So goodbye, everybody. Until next week.